Hakai Magazine explores science, society, and the environment from a coastal perspective. Today's feature article is The Coolest Library on Earth. At the University of Copenhagen, researchers store ice cores that hold the keys to Earth's climate, past and future. By Elizabeth Landau, read by me, Heather Walter. In a narrow aisle of shelves packed with cardboard boxes, Jürgen Peter Steffensen grins like a mischievous child unwrapping a holiday present as he pulls out a plastic-wrapped hunk of ice from a box marked Keep Frozen. The bag of ice contains the transition from 1 BCE to 1 CE, he says. That means we have the real Christmas snow. This piece of ice a bit longer than his arm, doesn't visibly look different from modern ice. Yet bubbles trapped in it preserve the chemistry of the air in Greenland from more than two millennia ago. But, Stephenson quips, we can't find any traces of reindeer or magical dust. In this freezer facility in Denmark, Stephenson's team at the Niels Bohr Institute at the University of Copenhagen stores some 40,000 segments of ice cores, long cylinders of ice from polar regions that preserve the history of past climate. Beyond cataloging frozen treasures, Stephenson collaborates on research that chisels out historical secrets hidden in ice and runs logistics for an international drilling project in Greenland to retrieve even more deep core samples. Copenhagen is one of several places in the world where pieces of ice cores drilled from our planet's extremities are kept safely cold. Other large research freezers are located in the United States, Australia, France, Italy, Germany, Russia, and Japan. According to Stephenson, Copenhagen has the most samples from the world's deepest cores, amounting to 15.5 kilometers of ice. That's about the distance from Stephenson's laboratory in central Copenhagen to this unassuming yellow-tiled warehouse in an industrial park where the ice archive has been housed since 2019. Both the lab and the freezer spaces are temporary, awaiting the completion of a massive construction project for a new university facility. The archive also keeps an additional five kilometers of ice from shorter cores drilled in Greenland, Antarctica, Iceland, Patagonia, and a glacier in a Slovakian cave. Some ice samples came from initiatives with strong Danish involvement, while others came from researchers abroad looking for a chilled home. Ice cores serve as important historical records for scientists interested in how our planet's climate has changed, whether in the distant past or more recently. Like tree rings, layers of snow that fell and formed these cores can be counted and correlated to years in the past. In a core drilled from a place that sees minimal melting, Stephenson says, all those annual layers of snowfall are just in one undisturbed sequence back in time. The deeper you go, the farther back in time you go. But a single core likely doesn't have a continuously pristine record. The timeline traced by snowfall layers may have been disrupted by localized weather events millennia ago. That's why it's important to have multiple core samples from the same time period extracted from different locations to compare results and bolster scientific conclusions. Greenland and Antarctica both host multiple international ice drilling sites. 
Maria Hörhold, a glaciologist at the Alfred Wagner Institute, Helmholtz Center for Polar and Marine Research in Bremerhaven, Germany, led a recent study on Greenland's record temperatures. She says, you actually need more than one ice core record to combine in order to get a climate signal. As Copenhagen's ice core curator, Stephenson, who goes by JP, describes his job as akin to a librarian's presiding over the volumes of ice that contain the secrets of Earth's climate history. But when researchers want to borrow a sample, Stephenson can't simply scan a barcode. Members of international collaborations who drilled the core in question have steering committees that grant access and determine the amount that can be cut. Stephenson also writes up an opinion on how much of the core can be spared with an eye toward preserving the continuity of the historical ice record. Unlike a book, ice that goes out for study will never come back. Investigations into the history of atmospheric chemistry, temperature records, and ancient DNA are all ongoing, but they require melting or vaporizing to get to the goods. This windowless library's floor-to-ceiling shelves safeguard about 1,900 cardboard boxes and crates of ice. A heat pump system transports heat away from the freezer and distributes cold air with loud fans, bringing the room down to minus 30 degrees Celsius. The air stings my bare cheeks and ice crystals form on the collar of my puffy coat. It's as cold as some areas of Greenland where Stephenson has been going on expeditions to drill and retrieve ancient ice for more than 40 years. In case of power outage, the ice storage containers, which are also used to ship the ice from polar regions, are so well insulated that the ice would stay frozen for about 20 hours at 20 degrees Celsius. The concrete floor is also protective and the freezer has two distinct cooling systems in case one has a mechanical breakdown. Stephenson says, that would be a real job killer if it melts. But melting ice in the world at large drives researchers like Stephenson to continue the arduous work of both drilling ice and investigating what secrets lie within. With global average temperatures climbing towards 1.5 degrees above pre-industrial levels in the next decade, melting polar ice caps and resultant sea level rise will unleash a cascade of catastrophic effects that threaten to upend ecosystems, economies, and livelihoods. The study of deep ice cores from the Arctic and Antarctica like the ones stored in Copenhagen, has helped demonstrate how human activity, rather than natural cycles, is causing climate change today. With atmospheric chemistry trapped in air bubbles, deep ice samples preserve the story of our planet's natural cycles prior to human activity and show how the industrial age caused a shift. Frozen mud from below the ice is also teaching scientists about when Greenland last thawed and what flora and fauna thrived there. Combined with satellite and airborne data about rising sea levels and the loss of ice sheet mass, ice cores can reveal powerful indicators of both climate history and climate-driven impacts to come. The more areas where scientists can drill, Stephenson says, the better we can get an idea of how stable the Greenland ice sheet is to climate change. Now in his 60s, Stephenson began his journey to become an ice guardian when he was an undergraduate at the University of Copenhagen. 
He was studying physics and math and had planned to spend the summer of 1980 operating a projector in an art house cinema. But then the phone rang. Glaciologist Willie Dansgaard urgently needed extra hands for an ice drilling project. Dansgaard had heard of Stephenson because the younger man chaired the campus organization overseeing the university's physics curriculum, a rare position for a student. He asked, would Stephenson like to spend six or seven weeks in Greenland? Years before, in 1952, Dansgaard, a pioneer in the field of glaciology, had made a discovery fundamental to the scientific work that Stephenson and his colleagues do today. He demonstrated a relationship between the ratio of two naturally occurring isotopes of oxygen in a water sample and the atmospheric temperature of the cloud where the water originated. Scientists would later use this realization to study water in the form of ice to chart the history of atmospheric temperatures going back thousands of years. Dansgaard later put this technique to a monumental test thanks to a U.S. military endeavor called Project Iceworm. This secret Cold War mission in Greenland involved digging tunnels for storing and deploying nuclear missiles, but it also created Camp Century, a so-called city under the ice for military personnel that included a cafeteria, recreation hall, barbershop, and even sleeping quarters, all connected through tunnels. Hiding the ulterior motive of Project Iceworm, the United States announced a large scientific endeavor to drill into the ice. It wasn't just a cover story. In 1966, the drilling effort led to researchers reaching the bottom of an active ice sheet 1.39 kilometers deep for the first time. American geologist Chester Langway, who developed the International Study Program at Camp Century, collaborated with Dansgaard to investigate the history embedded in the ice core. Their October 1969 paper in the journal Science, which used the core to chart 100,000 years of Earth's climate history, was what Stephenson calls the birth certificate of ice core research. Now scientists had a proven way to go back in time to see what Earth's atmosphere was like in the past. What's more, the results suggested previously unknown sudden temperature fluctuations toward the end of the last glacial period. But to confirm those rapid temperature changes, they needed more samples. With the Camp Century military project over, scientists cobbled together funding from multiple countries to drill at new sites. That fateful phone call from Dansgaard on July 4, 1980, placed Stephenson in the vanguard of ice core science. Despite the fact that the young 20-something had no prior ice drilling experience, Dansgaard was inviting him to participate in an international drilling project in Greenland called Die 3. Four days later, Stephenson flew out. The Die 3 team used the Danish-designed Istuk drill, named for the Greenlandic word for ice pick or drill, and also the Danish word for ice, the 11.5-meter-long drill produced about 120 meters of 10-centimeter diameter core per week. Stephenson quickly became fascinated with the idea that as the team drilled deeper, they accessed the record of a new part of history. The reign of Marcus Aurelius, the eruption of Mount Vesuvius, the time of Augustus, the Punic Wars, 
He says, we stood with that ice in our hands. It was so cool. Working in three shifts to cover 24 hours, the team got to 901 meters before their electronics conked out due to a faulty pressure chamber. That trip set into motion Stephenson's life work with ice. I was sold immediately, he says. On his next Greenland field trip in 1981, Stephenson worked the overnight drilling shift with Dorte Dahl Jensen, a fellow student at the University of Copenhagen. Dansgaard wrote of them later, We found two youngsters, and they, each other, who should later become prominent participants in our glaciological research. In 1985, Dahl Jensen and Stephenson married, and they went on to have four children. Dahl Jensen became a leading force in the field and ended up taking over Dansgaard's job at the University of Copenhagen. Stephenson jokes, She's my boss, both at home and at work. The Die 3 project hit bedrock in August 1981, and the project yielded a core over two kilometers long, which got split into 61,000 samples and sent to Copenhagen. While researchers did not reach as far back in time as the Camp Century core had, the Die 3 samples verified Dansgaard's controversial conclusion about temperature fluctuations during the last ice age. Stephenson gradually became responsible for storing the core segments and coordinating with the international partners about their curation, setting the stage for his ice librarian career. The Copenhagen Freezer Archive started in the basement of a university lab building as the place to store ice core samples from the Greenland Ice Sheet Project, which ran in the 1970s and 1980s and included Die 3. Stephenson's tenure as curator began in 1991 when he designed an expanded setup to store ice from Europe's Greenland Ice Core project. That larger facility, located in an abandoned industrial complex close to the University of Copenhagen's campus, came to the rescue when U.S. researchers needed to store large quantities of ice originally drilled decades earlier from Camp Century, Greenland, and Bird Station in Antarctica. By 2001, Stephenson's team converted a former nuclear bomb shelter in a university building into a storage facility, bringing their total collection to about 750 boxes of ice. The archive further expanded as the North Greenland Emian Ice Drilling Project, led by Dahl Jensen, brought back 2.5 kilometers worth of core samples in the early 2010s and samples returned from the East Greenland Ice Core Project which is ongoing. When the ICE archive moved to its present location in 2019, Stephenson took the opportunity to more closely inventory its contents. That's how he and Dahl Jensen discovered 30 glass jars with mud and rock from the bottom of the Camp Century core collected in 1966, along with a paper log that established the depths from which each sample came. With better tools and technology than the Cold War-era scientists could have imagined, researchers now had an opportunity to uncover new details about Greenland's distant past. Frozen material from that birthplace of ice core research had more stories to tell. The Danish glaciology power couple notified the U.S. National Science Foundation and invited leading experts to Copenhagen to see this rediscovered treasure in person. 
Paul Bierman, a professor at the University of Vermont who studies ancient dirt for clues to our planet's history, was floored. He thought the Camp Century sediment had long been lost in the shuffling of samples over the years. Seeing these dirt samples from Camp Century stored in glass jars was one of those spine-tingling moments, says Bierman. You're like, wow, this exists. The Danes initially sent Bierman's group two samples to investigate in their Vermont laboratory. The smell of fluid that had been used to keep the original drill hole open, a mix of diesel and dry-cleaning chemicals, was potent in the sample bags. But the team was even more surprised when a quick look under a microscope revealed ancient plant fossils in melted water from a sediment sample. To more fully explore the ancient ecosystem and pin down a more precise date of when these plants had lived, the Vermont group needed more material to analyze and share among other scientists. Drew Christ, Bierman's collaborator and a postdoctoral researcher at the University of Vermont at the time, spent three weeks in October 2021 carefully cutting samples in what Stephenson calls the reading room of the Copenhagen Ice Storage Facility an anteroom attached to the freezer that is kept at a more balmy minus 18 degrees Celsius. Since ambient ceiling lights can reset the ages of the deep core sample's last exposure to light, Christ had to do the work of precise cutting in the dark, illuminating the equipment with small red bike lights. It was a sensory deprivation experience, he says, with only the hum of the cooling fans as the soundtrack. In the past year, Bierman, Christ, and their collaborators characterized the layering of the sediment and found macrofossil twigs from willow plants, stems and leaves from mosses, and even some insect remains of non-biting midges, Christ says. These new insights from sediment from 1.39 kilometers under Camp Century are helping this large international collaboration of scientists paint a more detailed picture of a time in the ancient past when this part of Greenland was covered by green land. And what happened next? Christ says at some point between 1.4 and 3.2 million years ago, the ice sheet retreated and the landscape was ice-free. The area has since cycled through the ice sheet advancing, retreating, to allow for the emergence of a tundra ecosystem and advancing again to cover the landscape. The research team wants to establish exactly when ice left northwest Greenland, how much sea level rise that caused, and how long ice-free ecosystems lasted before the ice sheet advanced again. Understanding the relationship between ice sheet dynamics and climate changes also informs scientists' predictions about the future speed of melting in Greenland and forthcoming sea level rise. This is relevant to billions of people worldwide, especially in coastal communities. Chris says they already are impacted by it from higher sea level during hurricanes and big winter storms. Climate change has not yet dramatically impacted the site where Stephenson and his team hope to finish drilling a deep core this summer at the East Greenland Ice Core Project. But Camp Century, that Greenland city under the ice, may become exposed by about 2090 due to melting. Camp Century's exposure will likely include radioactive waste from a nuclear power plant at the site and other toxic materials that could flow into the ocean. 
Amid the bleakness of climate change impacts, Stephenson still delights in the historical quirks contained in the Copenhagen Freezer archive. What he calls the Christmas snow comes from about 430 metres below the surface of Greenland. 44 years of snowfall below it. Stephenson tells me there is ice corresponding to when Julius Caesar was murdered and the sun is said to have disappeared, causing agricultural and economic devastation. Stephenson and colleagues reported in 2020 that ice core samples help trace those large-scale climate changes to the eruption of Alaska's Okmok volcano in 43 BCE. There are positive developments preserved in the freezer too, Stephenson tells me after the tour as we drive to the Flintholm metro station. Radioactive material rose from 1945 to 1963, then dropped off because of the nuclear arms moratorium. Traces of Freon dropped after the 1987 Montreal Protocol to repair the ozone layer by reducing chlorofluorocarbons. Stephenson says... Ice cores can really tell the story of successes in controlling all these emissions. So the hope is that sometime in the future, we will be able to also monitor the drop in greenhouse gases. Signs of hope, then, may someday be frozen, too. Find more coastal news and stories from Hakai Magazine on our website at hakaimagazine.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook. All of our feature stories are part of the Hakai Magazine Audio Edition podcast, which you can subscribe to through your favorite podcast app. If you enjoyed this story, please consider sharing it with your friends.